We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Offsides with Mark Ryan and Diesel. Mark is on location today, having a little bit of technical difficulties right off the gate as we're starting the show. So we're going to replay a little bit of his national show from this past weekend. This is a clip of his interview with Amy Trask, former CEO of the Oakland Raiders, while we're trying to get his Comrex situation figured out. Enjoy this, and we will pick it back up with Mark when he is set and ready. The first ever female CEO of a major pro American sports franchise, CEO of the Oakland Raiders, referred to as the Princess of Darkness by Raiders fans, uh, and about as refreshingly outspoken and kind as she could be. Amy Trask joins us right now on CBS Sports Radio. Always enjoy the catch-up, Amy. You had me captivated with that last clip. How are you today? Well, it is always my pleasure to join you, and that may well have been the most gracious, generous introduction I have ever heard. But I will tell you, it was a little creepy for me to hear my own voice as you were leading into that. I'm like, wait a minute, that's me. That's kind of creepy. Thank you for that very generous introduction, and thank you for having me on. Oh, Amy, great to have you on. So, Amy, um, can you – to to – Branch out a little bit from the straight football talk. How did we get here with sports in the city of Oakland? Three major pro franchises lost in five years. What's changed about Oakland? And conversely, what's changed about Vegas? Well, as to Oakland, it may be what hasn't changed as much as it needs to change. And it's certainly not all on Oakland's shoulders. Um, But there was a lot of mixed information i think that i think the overwhelming issue is that the property the coliseum and the arena in which the warriors used to play is jointly owned by the city and the county so the problem then becomes well if you reach a deal with the city and the county doesn't like it or you reach a deal with the county and the city doesn't like it they were not always on the same page and it makes it more of a challenge and i will liken that to what happened at the los angeles coliseum um, you, you know, USC is still there, I recognize, but that was jointly run by the city, the county, and the state. So you had three entities to deal with. So I think that was a challenge. Um, I also am not surprised to have seen the teams move as they did. I, I saw that writing on the wall, and I am heartbroken, heartbroken for the Bay Area fans whose hearts are broken. And for those fans that are going to travel with their team and go to their team wherever it may play, I'm thrilled for them because the Raiders have a beautiful new stadium and the A's will have a lovely arena uh, stadium as well. Amy, I feel like if you were in charge of this, the teams would still be there. I mean, when the alternative is losing the teams, we can't get the city and county leaders on the same page when that's the alternative. Where was Amy Trask <laughs> directing directing the orchestra here? 
Where was that? You know, you're right. It was extremely, extremely um, frustrating to watch all of this unfold. I did see the writing on the wall. I, I wanted to do all I could to keep the team in Oakland while I was there. And that's not to state that they don't have a magnificent new stadium. They do. But, boy, sometimes the city and the county up there just do kind of nutty things. Like there was some discussion of moving the A's stadium to the waterfront, which in theory sounds lovely. Only the stadium site where the Raiders played and the A's just sort of finished up playing um, is the best service location in the country in terms of public transportation. And yet they wanted to move the baseball stadium to a place where there was no parking, no public transportation. You'd have to walk through the dark for hours and hours after a night game to get to public transportation. It's just not well thought out. So sad. Just so sad. Amy Trask, CBS analyst, former CEO of the Oakland Raiders, joining us here on CBS Sports Radio. Amy, I was fascinated by this. And by the way, your show, What the Football, uh, with with uh, Susie Schuster is fantastic. I absolutely love that. Um, you had a story in which you, t- you talked about you were brought into one hiring process as CEO of the Raiders and Bill Belichick was one of the candidates. And you strongly yep. advocated for the hiring of Bill Belichick. They went yep. with John Gruden instead. <laughs> Can I ask you, Amy, the traits, the qualities, what you saw in Bill that gave you such a strong conviction? Sure. Um, but to begin, thank you very, very much for your nice comments about what the football. Susie is a seasoned pro at this. I'm learning how to do a podcast. This is my first time ever doing a podcast and what I'm having to learn is it's just a conversation. I have to tell myself each week, okay, AIM, you're not making a presentation for a half a billion dollar line of credit to a bank. You're not making a legal argument, just have a conversation. So I'm learning as we go and Susie's helping me tremendously. Uh, the, the situation you just referenced, Al did invi- involve me one time over the course of my career uh, in a coaching search and he had me meet with each candidate, one of which was Actually, I don't know if that's one of which or one of whom, so maybe one of the grammar people listening will tell me if I just did that wrong. Um, One of the candidates, how about that, I'll say it that way, was Bill Belichick. And after I met with all of them, Al said to me, which one would you hire? And I was unequivocal, Bill. He is just so smart. It was his intelligence and his knowledge that resonated with me. And I'm not suggesting for a moment that John didn't do a good job while he was there. It was another good hire, but I strongly, strongly recommended Bill. And I thought that would remain a little secret and that Al would never um, share that publicly. But at a press conference at the end, Al always used to meet with all the reporters in a relaxed manner after the press conference. So there was a very serious press conference. And then he was sitting with the reporters and he said, Amy told me to hire Bill. And I was so touched that he would do that because this was after Bill had been proving himself as a head coach. And Al certainly didn't need to be so generous and gracious, but he was. Well, you just wonder all of the what ifs, you know, how that would have right. changed. You can't, you can't forecast anything, right? Like the, the success of a team or franchise is always greater than one person, but it's impossible not to wonder the what if there. You know, Al Davis, Amy, was, you know, he did have a bit of, re- of a reputation for, you know, his being a little bit impulsive, maybe perhaps from time to time, a little bit of a loose cannon. Do you remember a time where you were able to successfully kind of corral him from maybe doing something that wasn't the best move? 
Well, I will answer that, but I will go back to one thing you just said before that, which is, um, you know, you can't control for the variable. You don't know what would have been different if the decision sure. had been different. It's the butterfly effect. Yeah. You know, the, the old saying, if a butterfly flaps its wings, I mean, what changes? You're absolutely right. So when you said that, you can't see me, thank gosh. Um, but I'm smiling to ear to ear because I just I think of the butterfly effect so often if a butterfly flaps its wings. Uh, as to your question, over the course of the almost 30 years I was with the team, almost 30 if I count my internship, because I do, because I worked with Al while I was an intern and I argued with Al while I was an intern. But over the course of that almost 30 years, I disagreed with Al more than I agreed with him. And the biggest um, misconception in my view about Al is that he wouldn't tolerate anyone who disagreed with him or he wouldn't tolerate disagreement. If that were the case, I'd have been fired roughly two, two and a half weeks into my job. I would say one of the things on which I changed his mind and, and I shall always feel very, very good about, and it took me decades to do this. It did not happen overnight. Um, I convinced him to allow me to settle all of the litigation in which the Raiders were involved. The league had sued the Raiders several times. The city and the county had sued the Raiders. Al knew how to counterclaim with a vengeance, so we had counterclaims and there was just all this litigation swirling, and it's always been my view that that's just no way to run a business. Litigation is no way to do business. And I tried for many, many, many years to convince him of that, and I finally did. And I will never forget walking into his office with all of the paperwork, the final um, documents the, to, to resolve everything fully and finally. And um, when he went to sign them, he looked up at me and he said, I'm doing this for you, kid. So wow. that's something I convinced him to do that I don't believe he otherwise would have done. Unbelievable. Amy Trask joining us, former CEO of the Oakland Raiders. Amy, the NFL has a 22% turnover rate annually at head coach. Roughly seven head coaches a year lose their jobs. Eight this season, 25% this season. Are those numbers so in line? Yeah. So so right. Far. We don't know what's to come. <laughs> no. You know, there's a lot more rumors swirling. If certain teams don't advance in the playoffs as the team ownership expects them to, it may be in excess of eight. Um, I do have a theory about that, and it's a theory that a number of us discussed at the time the salary cap was implemented, which was during my years in the league. And we knew at that time that the salary cap was going to put constraints on teams for making a lot of wholesale big, big changes on a yearly basis, on a regular basis with respect to players um, for which there would be cap consequences that would impair the team's ability to do other things. And we thought at the time that the group with whom I was speaking, it was other NFL executives, you might see a lot of turnover in coaches. And maybe it happened before then as well. I'm sure it did to some extent. But now if a team feels constrained and wants to do something, wants to make a change, wants to show the fans it's doing something, well, you know, you can change coaches. There's no cap consequence. It's incredible. Is that a sign of a society that has long since lost any semblance of patience? <laughs> there was an old TV commercial, and I honest to gosh don't remember what the commercial was for, and this was decades and decades and decades ago, and a person was sitting on, the, on, on TV, and he was saying, we've got instant coffee, we've got instant oatmeal, everything is instant, instant, instant. Right. And I think that sure has played out because, yeah, we, we are not a patient society as a whole and before anyone gets all mad i get it some people are patient but sort of societally we've become very impatient could not agree more 
Amy, can you bring us inside NFL offices as to the emotion and vibe when an organization is about to embark on a playoff run? What is the feel? What is the vibe? Is there is there a palpable energy oh, in the yeah. building? I always, oh, when we have yeah. guests like you, Amy, I always love to do the best I can to have you bring us there because we've never been able to be there, but you have. It's it's palpable. Um, you use the word energy, I believe. The energy, the excitement, it's just palpable. I remember there was... Um, one year I was not able to make the, I, oh, I shouldn't say one year. There were times I didn't make a road trip with the team if it was the last game of the season because I was so involved in wrapping up year and business matters that that would be one road trip I wouldn't make if it was the last game of the season. And, you know, there were times that could be the game that was dispositive as to whether um, you made the playoffs or not. And I just remember one instance where I'm watching the game and we win and we make the playoffs and, I mean, I was jumping up and down on the couch and immediately zoomed back into the office. And, you know, even if as a team flight home, when you know you've played a game where you've clinched the playoffs, if you're on the road, is magnificent. It's so much fun. And if you do it at home with your fans in your stadium, that's just exquisite is the word that comes to mind. It, that's why, that, you know, it's why, you know, you what was it Denny Green said? It's why you play the game. Or you play the game to win. That's what Denny said. Um, it's why you play. You play to make the playoffs, and then you play to win in the playoffs. And if not every single person in the organization, from every position, every department, if not everyone feels that way, that person shouldn't work for the team. Amy, you had an endless determination that I can still hear in you. To break through all of the artificial barriers that were placed before you, are there any others coming up today who remind you of you? Oh boy, I would hope they would be better than me. I, I would never want to. I would never want to malign someone by saying, oh, "Come oh, on, remind me of me." And by the way, that sounds a little egotistical to say someone reminds me of me. But there are a lot of terrific women, and you know, some of them have been in the league for a very long time. Jeannie Bonk with the Chargers does a tremendous job. Um, you know, Hannah Gordon was with the, the 49ers. She, she actually started her career in the NFL as an intern for the Raiders. So, you know, the Raiders just interviewed a woman for the GM position. Um, there are a lot more women um, in the league now. And, you know, I had the tremendous, tremendous um, fortune of working for someone who decades and decades and decades before this was a topic of discussion, hired without regard to race gender, ethnicity, or any other individuality, which has no bearing whatsoever on whether one can do a job. Could not agree more. Amy, is Baltimore the team to beat? If I gave you Baltimore or the field, which are you taking? Well, let me make clear. I'm not a better. I only bet ice cream because then even if you lose, you win because you get ice cream. <laughs> Amen to um, that. But right now in the AFC, I don't think anyone looks better than Baltimore. Now, that doesn't mean someone can't surprise them. I mean, the playoffs start, new game. Um, but Baltimore, I mean, phenomenal head coach, phenomenal quarterback. Um, they look very, very hard to beat. Amy Trask is an analyst for CBS Sports, also an author of You Negotiate Like a Girl, the first ever female CEO of a major professional sports franchise in this country. And uh, you hear it in the conversation, don't you? Like there is, there is such an openness in conversation that I just value so much. 
even though, Amy, that at any moment's notice, you can put me right in my place. Uh, I, I appreciate so much having you on the conversation, the back and forth. Um, and uh, just you challenge me. And I truly appreciate well, that. Thank you. Wow. And thank you for having me. It is always my pleasure. I hope to do it more often. You raise such interesting topic and topics and asks us thought-provoking questions. But I do want you to know for the rest of the day, I'm going to be haunted that I might have said which when I meant whom. And, and I need to figure that out because it's going to haunt me. I, you, I'm going to ask my mom <laughs> that. She, she's the best at that kind of stuff. Thank you, Amy. I'll let you know. Thank you. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Odds, Mark Ryan and Diesel. We are the fan upstate rolling on until 7 p.m. today. You know, um, kind of a wild start to the show today, man. Wild start. What uh, what was not, you know, what what was very much planned is that we were going to play Amy Trask today because I love that interview. She is incredible. She is the first female CEO of a major pro sports team. First female CEO ever. And I had on the rundown to play that at 3.20 p.m. All right? Had on the rundown to play it at 3.20 p.m. And then, you know, I was doing the show from home today. Why? Because uh, Angela is a little bit scratchy. Uh, Jackson is a little bit scratchy. And then... Technology giveth and technology taketh taketh away, and so we're right here. So we're right here. Uh, if I thought the symptoms were too bad, I, I certainly wouldn't be here. Wouldn't want to uh, put anybody at uh, at risk like that. But uh, home with kind of scratchy throat, a little bit of, a little bit of a fatigue. You guys know as well as I do. Every single everybody is like the last month. Everybody's been sick. You know. Um, we did a little New Year's uh, get-together at my house. And, like, dude, so many people were, um, you know, coming down with this or that or the other thing. And so it's just it's that time of year, man. It is, uh, it is that time of year. But in any case, it's great to be here with you guys. Really, really good to be here with you guys. And hope your Friday Eve is off to a rockin' start. Um, I saw this and I wanted to I wanted to get to this because I think it's an interesting it's an interesting take. It's an interesting conversation. Marlon Humphrey, uh, who is an NFL player and um, he's been on the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Marlon Humphrey said, man, I would have been in that portal so fast after I heard Saban is retiring. Marlon Humphrey is a heck of a football player, right? Like Marlon Humphrey is one of the best cornerbacks in the National Football League, was a first-team All-Pro in 2019, a three-time Pro Bowler, and he is just 27 years of age. And he's saying, I would have been in that portal so fast. Well, Carter Bryant, and some of you might remember Carter, 
He has been a host on this show. He says it's still wild a, a, a former player would say this, especially one from Alabama who had a father play for Roll Tide Roll, right? Um, to which our very own Rob Brown of the Rob Brown Show replied the following. He says an uncomfortable truth people don't like to hear. Players don't play for schools. They play for coaches, for culture, and for compensation. They don't love the school like you do. They love the school for what the school can give to them. They're players, not fans. Um, See, the thing is, I believe that this mentality is a big part of the reason, and I'd love your thoughts on this, okay? The renewal by Anderson uh, fan phone, 844-326-3663. I believe this mentality that it's a businessman and, uh, you know, I'm a businessman and my life is a businessman. I think that mentality is part of the reason why college, college sports and college athletics right now is on the decline. Now, it's not my opinion that it is on the decline. It is on the decline. Well, but Mark Ryan, have you seen the ratings? Oh, my goodness gracious. Did you see the ratings of the national championship game? Did you see the ratings of Alabama and Michigan? You know what ratings are? Okay, ratings are a still shot right before an earthquake hits. You know, ratings are a picture They're a snapshot. You know, your blood pressure could be totally fine one minute, okay? Then you have a stressor. Three minutes later, your blood pressure is at an unhealthy level. Okay? Like, seriously. Like, a a rating of a game is one snapshot in time. And to make sweeping judgments on that one snapshot doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, um, I've, I've had lengthy conversations with a lot of high-ranking folks in college football about this. In the last week or two, a lot of folks with 24-7 sports about this. And you wouldn't believe the number of times I heard the phrase, there's a lot of cracks in the foundation of college sports. And just because everyone is going to tune in to see Alabama and Michigan doesn't mean that everything is okay. Doesn't mean that that's on the, everything's hunky-dory. Rob Brown isn't wrong that players don't play for schools. They play for coaches, coaches, culture, and compensation. They don't love the school like you do. They love the school for what the school can give to them. They're players, not fans. But here's where I would dispute that. And I welcome your thoughts. I am a fan. You might say, well, Mark, you're a media member. You're not a fan. No, I'm a fan. Okay, I'm, I'm also a media member. These two things are not mutually exclusive. Referees, I'm going to be honest with you, are fans, Diesel, by and large, that were not good enough to play. So they chose the next closest thing that would get them on the field. They're all fans. You think if they didn't love sports, they'd be out there doing that? You think if we didn't love sports, we wouldn't be doing this? These we're not guys- doing it for the paychecks. Right. Right. So, you know, like this mentality, whereas like when I went to the University of Florida, okay, and folks, I'm in the prime of my life right now. I'm in the prime of my life. I'm in the prime of my career. I'm in a great spot. 
personally, professionally, etc. You know, very grateful for all the blessings in my life. But when I went to school, when I was at the University of Florida, and Florida played um, in the national championship game in New Orleans, the players were out on Bourbon Street, just like the fans were out on Bourbon Street. Reed L. Anthony hung out with him on Bourbon Street. Ike Hilliard hung out with him on Bourbon Street. Lawrence Wright, the safety, hung out with him on Bourbon Street. And guys, they were every bit as much of a Florida Gator as you and I are. You know, there was that bond, there was that tie-in, there was, a, there was that connection. Because every single one of us was, quote-unquote, roughing it together. And now there is very much this separation of church and state where players don't really feel like they are students, right? Like they're, they're not students anymore. They are employees. They are assassins. They are hired guns. And when that is the feeling, you know, it doesn't really feel like you have the tie to your school like you once did. You know what phrase I haven't heard in a very, very, very long time? I haven't heard the phrase student-athlete in forever. Forever. And so I'd like to ask you guys to open up the show today. Um, is the student-athlete, is the heir of the student-athlete officially dead? Are we now? Have we now moved past that point? Okay? Because I think we have. If that's how it's going to be, you know... Um, if players don't care for, about the schools anymore, if they play for the coaches, the culture, and the compensation, the difference that I have uh, between Rob Brown's take and my own is that, you know, Rob Brown has an acceptance of that, right? This is how it is. This is an un uncomfortable truth. Deal with it. And I'm saying I'm not dealing with that. I don't accept that. That might, be, that might be the reality, but that reality is why college sports is on the decline. Okay? College sports most very much is on the decline. Now, the first step towards any recovery process is admission. Do you guys admit that college sports are on the decline? Diesel, you and I asked uh, if the... If the um, all of the stuff with the name, image, and likeness in the transfer portal, we asked if that had affected people's love of the game. Do you remember the results of that poll? Mm, I think, yeah. I think there was a high percentage that said, yes, it had. Yeah, 75%. That poll was 75%. 75% of you told us that your love for college football had taken a hit that you didn't feel, you know, like you felt college sports was on the decline. You felt like it's affected your love of college athletics. Do you still love it enough to tune into the college football playoff? Of course, because we love college football. And because all, we're told all year long that these two games, Michigan, Alabama, Texas, Washington, these two games are the only ones that matter. So, yeah. If you want to boil the whole sport of college football down to eight hours on a New Year's Eve, we'll watch on that New Year's Eve. And then you'll flaunt the ratings in our face and say, look at how successful we are. But you know who else could do that? The NBA. 
The NBA, when Kevin Durant was on the Warriors, could put Golden State on every single week, and they did, national TV. And then they'd flaunt the ratings in your face, and they'd say, look at how successful the NBA is. Well, did you, did you check the attendance in about 20 of the 30 NBA cities? Did you check the, uh, the fan support, et cetera, the vibe? No, so the league was a one-man team. And now the league has devolved into a place where Mark Jackson recently said, what has happened to the game I love? What's happened? So, guys, you know, it's, it's one thing. You know, I'm, I, I'm curious because, to me, the era of the student-athlete is over. It's over. But I also think there's an admission here that needs to happen, that needs to take place, that college sports is on the decline, that it very, very clearly is on the decline. Okay? Uh, Texter says what Rob Brown said is right, and that's a horrible tragedy. Texter, what you just said, how many words were that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven words. Perfectly encapsulates my opinion. Rob is right. It's a horrible tragedy. And I think that's the difference between how you and I feel and how Rob feels. Rob feels like, here's the reality. You don't like it. You're going to have to deal with it. Rob is very pro-player here. I am not pro-player because I feel like what the players are doing is killing the game, you know, or it's hurting the game. And to me, nothing that is hurting the game is good for the sport. You know, like I I do feel a strong sense um, that those people who are strong advocates that players should do what they want, collect as much as they want, leave schools whenever they want. I get the sense that a majority of those folks are pro sports fans first, right? Because this undeniably is hurtful to the game of college sports. Diesel, none other than Josh Pate told me this, you know, none other than Josh Pate told me, you know, you, it's one thing to look at ratings, but you can't ignore. There are serious foundational cracks in, in what is going on here. And so it's interesting that Marlon Humphrey brings up this statement, man, if I was still at Alabama, Nick Saban leaves, I'm out of here so fast. Diesel, Washington lost their coach. 13 players entered the portal. Arizona lost their coach a few days ago. Since then, 10 players have entered the portal. There is zero commitment to anyone or anything anymore. Well, it makes you wonder if the players that we look back on and believed loved the school so much never actually did, that they were just there because they had fewer options to transfer. I mean – there will always be the handful of guys that you know had a tremendous amount of passion for their institution. You, you, it's, it's undeniable that Tim Tebow had a tremendous amount of love for Florida. But there's all the other guys who were on that team who, if they had the option back then, you may think they loved the team, but they would have been gone at, every, at any opportunity they got. They had far fewer opportunities. There were more roadblocks in front of them to do what – modern players are doing, which is transferring anytime anything changes that they don't like. But, you know, we talk about it every year. It is a sad reality that a very large percentage of guys who enter the transfer portal don't end up on another roster. What's the number? Oh, gosh, like 40%. 40%. Yeah. And, and hey, that's a tough life lesson 
for those guys. It's like, hey, you had something pretty good going at wherever you were, Texas Tech. You had a pretty good thing going at Texas Tech. And then you said, well, I, could, I think I could do better. Well, guess what? You couldn't. You had a good thing at Texas Tech, so you got a choice. You can either re-enroll as a student or you can, you know, go flip burgers because nobody else wants you on their football team. And it just like guys, it's it, as we've said, it's just it's just such a sign of society, society's lack of patience, society's lack of commitment, failuring in relationships, soaring divorce rates. Nobody sticks things through anymore, right? We do it with our head coaches in the NFL as well. Seven NFL head coaches fired every year. This year, eight NFL head coaches fired. You don't have time to do anything anymore. You know, the, the one argument that Shane Beamer has, if Shane Beamer drops a 6-6 six and six this year or worse, the one argument he has, Diesel, is that my dad didn't get going at Virginia Tech until year seven. Look at the value of patience. Steve yeah. Spurrier didn't get going here until year six. Look at the value of patience. That's the one argument he has, but that is no longer what society is. Well, the texture here is right. It says at least pro athletes have contracts. They can't jump ship. And unfortunately, that may be where we have to go to keep these players where they are longer contracts that, you know, it's, it's sad, but it used to be that your scholarship and your, uh, your limited options for transferring, which were either transfer somewhere and sit out a year if you want to stay at the same level or transfer down and be able to play immediately. Um, now there's those roadblocks just aren't there. So, yeah, we may end up there. We may end up having to put these guys on contracts, two-year, three-year, four-year contracts. If you value a player enough, put them on a four-year contract, and then the team can't cut all this player's benefits if he were to get hurt midway through his sophomore year. He's taken care of through his junior and senior season. 100%. Um, So, guys, guess where we're headed? What Diesel just said. We're headed toward contracts. We're headed toward revenue sharing. I saw Josh Pate tweet yesterday. Imagine trying to explain to folks like 10 years from now what it was like when folks in nine to five jobs were having to pay to get a player on their team. And Josh Pate believes we're headed towards a revenue sharing model. If that sounds like the apocalypse to you, realize that's much better than the current reality because a revenue sharing plan would have players under contracts to schools where they can't just up and leave at a moment's notice. We've had guys enter the portal, back to school, back to the same school. You know, I mean, you would never do that, right? Your girlfriend leaves you to test out the waters of dating other guys. You're not taking her back, right? Like, she decided already that you weren't good enough to keep her attention. Why would you take her back? Yet, we're seeing schools do that. And they use the phrase... I'm removing my name from the portal. You know, what? No, you left your school. We're not accepting you back. You got guy after guy after guy. Like, Florida's had players this year. Trevor Etienne went to uh, Georgia. An offensive lineman transferred to Florida State. There's no respect for rivals anymore. There's no... And and the reality is, a lot of these guys, when they go to college, are kids. They're, they're making their decisions at 16, 17 years old. These are kids, okay? They most certainly, most definitely are kids. These are not 
um, businessmen. These are not, you know, these are not um, moguls in any way, shape, or form. And they're making the wrong decisions, and they're doing so repeatedly. So, yes, the student-athlete era is dead, and you should laugh at anyone who uses that phrase anymore. It's no longer about the academics for student-athletes, perhaps at any place that is not named Clemson. Okay? Clemson still does care. Dabo is hell-bent on proving to you that he can win in an old-school way in a new-school era. Do I believe he can? I'll give you my answer to that after this. I promise you. It's offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel. And we are the Fan Upstate. It's offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel. We are the Fan Upstate. So I do think there's something awesome that, that's going on underneath the surface at Clemson. You know, Dabo, it's obvious. We don't even, it's a tired saying to say Dabo has made his declaration known about what he's going to do in the transfer portal area. He's showing you. Dabo and Clemson are the only Power 5 school that does not have a single transfer portal commitment. There's plenty in life, folks, that should be exit only. The transfer portal should not be one of those things. Okay? At Clemson, you know, the transfer portal is one way. You leave, you don't get in. And that's how it goes. Why? Well, there's a number of reasons. Clemson only wants certain guys. There's a personality profile that Clemson looks for. Not a lot of those, a lot of the guys that are in the transfer portal are me first cats, me first dudes. Me first dudes are not part of the Clemson way. Then you have the fact that most of these guys are looking for a handout. They're looking for a paycheck. And according to Don Munson on this very show, voice of the Clemson Tigers, Clemson's not going to do that. Clemson is not going to get into a bidding war. But what I think is really kind of cool, guys, I mean, is like you all are saying Dabo's our guy either way. Like Dabo's our guy either way. Sink or swim, right? He's our guy. And this is what we're rolling with either way. He's earned the right to do it his way. You're playing an old school game in a new school era. If those of you have ever wanted to know what it would look like if the new era played the old school, you're getting to see that with Clemson right now because they're the only college football team, the only major college football team doing it this way. And there's something about that that is cathartic, that is nostalgic, that kind of makes you root for them a little bit more, doesn't it? I can hear some of the haters right now. Mark Ryan, you have been rooting for Clemson anyway. I root for the teams I cover to do well. Why? I care about you. You guys care, right? So I care about you. I like the teams I cover to do well. But I, I, I do think there is, there's something powerful about what Clemson is attempting. Um, do I think it can work at a high level? Sadly, I don't know that it can. I think the height of what Clemson can accomplish right now, I mean, Diesel, let's, let's go ahead and set it. Like, what is Clemson's potential right now in college football with this mindset? With a mindset that we're not going to use the transfer portal, we're not going to get into bidding wars, 
Our name, image, and likeness is going to go to the own, our own guys, our own players, and that's it. And it's not going to be enough to keep a guy like Will Shipley in school. Not going to be enough to do that. What is their ceiling? I see their ceiling, Diesel, right now as ACC champs, expanded playoff berth, and maybe, maybe one playoff win. Maybe one playoff win. Um, Probably not, though, Diesel, because the way it's constructed, the four teams get a bye, right? The four, the top highest ranked um, conference champs get a bye. And I don't see Clemson winning their first game in the bye. So I'm going to say their ceiling in this model with this mindset is ACC champs, college football playoff berth in the expanded playoff, and that's it. Yeah, I would say finishing most seasons 15th. 15th, falling out of the top 25 with some regularity. Doesn't mean you're going to stay at, doesn't mean you're going to finish every season out of the top 25. I think you'll finish in the top 25 way more than not. Four out of five years, you'll finish inside the top 25. But every now and again, you're going to have a bad season. And there's going to be a lot of programs that have passed you by. See, that's what a lot of fans aren't understanding. Is we're not saying that Dabo's getting worse as a coach. We're saying other programs have done enough to surpass Clemson and Clemson isn't doing enough to stay ahead of them. That's exactly where we're at. Let's see what you guys are saying on the text line right now. When student-athletes don't view a free college education as compensation, then we are asking for a decline. I am putting kids through college, and I assure all student-athletes that it's definitely a valuable compensation to get that degree debt-free. Yeah, like social media has managed to convince athletes that they're getting screwed or taken advantage of. You know, please take advantage of me that way. You get to be the big man on campus. You get to have $200,000 worth of education, room and board, and you never have to pay any of it back. Yeah, you work for it, but what an experience you have. Um, and realize, too, that only about 30 college football programs even turn a profit, okay? Texter says, Mark, the establishment of the 12-team playoff will mark the end of true student-athletes. I remember when GPA would be posted as a stat next to quarterback rating. I give it two years before college football is not recognizable as the game we see it today, it will take longer for other college sports to reach that point. Other college sports might become more popular because the financial model isn't there for greed to take it down. Uh, Texter says at least pro athletes have contracts. They can't jump ship. That's where I think we're headed with revenues, revenue sharing. Uh, Texter says, Mark, I just saw the release date for EA Sports NCAA Football 2025. It's in the game. He said release date. July 12th, 2024. So the leak was accurate. Boy, that upsets some people in EA Sports. I promise you that. I worked there. Okay? I can tell you how darn secretive that place is. And if anybody's responsible for a leak, that person is immediately can't. Immediately can't. Okay? Um, Like crazy how secretive that place is. So the leak a few days ago, July 12th, was right. Coming out July 12th, 2024. Uh, a ga- text from a Gamecock fan. I appreciate this. 
I mean, like, I imagine there's more Gamecock fans like this. He goes, Dabo's philosophy causes me to dislike Clemson a lot less. Right? I mean, like, you can't say the word like Clemson, but there's something really endearing that they're giving the middle finger to what's becoming of college football. And if there's any, if there's any, you know, there's anything that is deserved or just or right or fair in college football anymore, Clemson will be great. Because like I, I, I love the message, right? They're saying to you that the ends do not justify the means. You know, that it's not about just winning the national championship at any cost. Because there's players that can help you that are out there. I mean, Clemson is losing football games to Florida State directly. Jordan Travis, transfer portal guy, throws a touchdown pass to Keon Coleman in overtime, transfer portal guy. Clemson doesn't have those guys. They're losing games, and they're still sticking to their guns. Well, Dabo Sweeney is telling you he's willing to be a martyr. That's it. He's willing to fall on that sword and let his program go down and do it the, the quote-unquote right way. Like, is that, what, is that what Clemson fans want the program to be? Do you want to be martyred? I don't think they think they're going to go down, and we will see. What is the ceiling for Clemson with things going the way that they are right now? All right, my friends, great to have you guys with us here on the show. Up next, <coughs> what is the most likely NFL playoff upset? That's next here on Offsides. We are the Fan Upstate. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 